smothered in by Kuznetsov, is tumbling to the ice with Chris Kunitz. Fed on to Kuznetsov to Ovechkin! Score! Alex Ovechkin at 102, elapsed time! It's 1-0 Capitals! <laughs> It's Memorial Day in Buffalo, New York. It is hot. My wife, I can see her out the window slaving over the gardening. Uh, we had a range for our, our gardener. We have a, a, a landscaper, I guess is the appropriate term. We have a guy. His name is Daniel Bryan. I kid you not. And uh, he does our grass every week. And I had arranged with him to come and do the uh, mulch in the flower beds there. And uh, my wife has lost her patience, apparently, and went ahead and done it herself, which is going to be a problem if Daniel Bryan already brought the materials uh, and then, uh, and then you know, says, what the fuck? But that'll be her problem, not mine. It is very hot out in Buffalo. It's at least 85, 86 degrees. Uh, so to some, I guess it's been a beautiful Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and I'm excited about the po- uh, the podcast today, the Sportscasters podcast. Two great guests, Adrian Dater, uh, will join us for a lonely end of the rink reunion uh, as we preview the Stanley Cup Finals uh, between the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. The Capitals, uh, the choking dogs that they've been the last 20 years, have exercised some of the ghosts. Uh, they've defeated Pittsburgh uh, this year. And uh, they've won the Eastern Conference Final, and now they will play the Vegas Knights, a team that was built by their former GM-GM, who's essentially built both teams. Uh, So Dater and I will preview that extensively. Also on the show today, uh, Jim Florentine, stand-up comedian, uh, former boyfriend of Robin Quivers, uh, Crank Yankers, did one of the great guest appearances ever on Louie, where he died having a double-decker shit, he passed away, tragically. Uh, so Jim Florentine will join us to talk about his book, Everybody is Awful Except You. And I do have a copy of Everyone is Awful Except You. If you're listening and you're interested, uh, just email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. And if you're the first one to do so, I can send you a copy of the book. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, at sports underscore casters. A few other projects I wanted to mention. Uh, a friend of mine, Matthew Sobalski, someone I grew up with, wrote a book uh, called Find Your Playlist, and it spun off to a podcast uh, called The Motivation Through Music Podcast. And I produced that show, and also I am second mic on it as well. Uh, and for more information about that pod, you can find it at M through M Pod uh, on Twitter. Uh, the next episode, which will go up the day after I record this one, uh, is about the band Triumph. Uh, each podcast is about a band, a song. Uh, a year in music, a theme, something like that. Uh, so check out the Motivation Through Music podcast. Uh, also, Mike Abelson and I are going to take another swing at this wrestling pod, uh, Arm Drags and Rainmakers, and uh, we have the fourth episode of that. We'll go up sometime this week as well. Uh, I want to get the sportscasters out ahead of it, but uh, Arm Drags and Rainmakers, it's a cool concept. Uh, Mike and I expose each other to 
uh, wrestling from our perspective errors. So when uh, it's an arm drag show, uh, Mike watches wrestling from the 80s and 90s. And when it's a Rainmaker show, I watch uh, mostly independent current wrestling uh, from the present day. Uh, and then we give our reviews and we talk back and forth. And also we do this gimmick where to end the show, we eliminate people from the WWE slash F Hall of Fame. Uh, so that's Arm Drags and Rainmakers. For more information about that, follow me on uh, the Sportscasters uh, Twitter at sports underscore casters. Also a quick shout out to my friend Peter Winson, uh, who is part of my Adams Division podcast team. Uh, we do about quarterly podcast specials. Uh, we did one around WrestleMania time. Uh, and Peter has his own podcast called Greetings from Allentown, uh, where he picks a piece of syndicated television from wrestling past and in a stream of consciousness tells us all about what's happening and, and what it triggers in the interesting mind of Peter Winston at GF Allentown Pod on Twitter there. So, shout out to Peter. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Jim Florentine. Actually, you know what? Since Florentine's book club, let's let's reverse that. Let's come back. We'll do Dater. We'll talk Stanley Cup Finals and NHL. We'll take a break real quickly. I'll update book club. Uh, then we'll bring Florentine in uh, since uh, his book is the reason he's on today. Uh, and then we'll close off with one last thing. So that's the plan. We'll take a break. We'll be right back with Adrian Dater from BSN Denver. Our first guest today covers the Colorado Avalanche for BSN Denver. He's also arguably the greatest Colorado Avalanche beat writer of all time. The Babe Ruth of people who've covered the Avalanche as he did it for years and years for the Denver Post. And of course, now he's at BSN Denver. He's also one of the co-hosts of one of the greatest hockey podcasts of all time, The Lonely End of the Rink, and the author of one of the great hockey books of all time, Blood Feud, a warm sportscaster's Welcome to our friend, Adrian Dater. AD, what is up, buddy? Man, Steve Bennett. It's been too long, my brother. The, re- I'm, uh, the return. Doing pretty well in High City here, man. It's, it's, it's been too long. Uh, we, we will, we'll, we'll talk more, I think, in the future still by hook or by crook, but uh, I'm happy to be here tonight, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going. I'm not going to delete any lonely end, end of the ring stuff. I hey, think we'll get back Buffalo. to that someday. You're in Buffalo for life. I'm in Denver for life, yeah. probably. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll always yeah, be buddies, and uh, we got each other's back. And it's great to have you today. We, you know, yeah. the, the people who loved our podcast, and there was a good handful of them. Um, they absolutely love when we talk about a few random things. Kenny Agostino is one. Uh <laughs> And choking dogs is another. <laughs> so when the Capitals won that game last night, I'm like, oh, man, Dater and I have to talk about the choking dogs. So here's the first question I have to ask you. Is there a way 
for the season to end with us still mocking the Capitals as choking dogs or is whatever happens in the next round irrelevant and we have to put it away at least for this year? No, I, th- I think we still have hope. We right, like have if, hope we're still say that. if they go up 3-1 and they lose, they're choking dogs again. They, 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 they haven't won anything yet uh, until they do. They're still choking dogs, in my opinion. They uh, they caught a flat-footed Tampa Bay team in a Game 7. That's right. On the road, which I think was the best thing that happened to them was they played it on the road because <clears throat> they still choke every home game they have. That's a big game. Yep. They couldn't close, you know, they, 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 they couldn't close out Game 5 at home and, you know, blew that. They, they uh, uh, you know, or, or Game, uh, I'm sorry, Game 6. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, they won game today. I'm sorry, I'm talking about game five, I believe. Anyway, the Capitals are, yeah, they can still choke. I mean, they, they let's say they go in. I think they're going to win at least one game in Vegas. So let's, let's say they come home 1-1. Um, you know, they've got home ice for the rest of the way. They've got an expansion team. It wouldn't shock me if they win the first two. And, you know, then they come home and lose a couple, lose a series. Yeah, we're still, we still call them choking dogs. They, uh, the fact is, this might be different if they were playing, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks in their midst of their dynasty run or something. The fact is, they're still playing an expansion team, and uh, that gives us a little more hope that we can still break out that that very unfortunate uh, characterization of them. But let's give them some credit, though. Yeah. They, they won a big game on the road in a game seven uh, and look damn good doing it too. So, uh, and they won a big game in game six on the road against Pittsburgh too. Yeah, I know what. Yeah, so I didn't buy into the, the whole thing that they were, this was a different caps team, especially after they uh, lost that game five uh, to Tampa Bay after, well, they lost the two games at home. That's what I'm thinking of. They, yep. they won the first two in Tampa Bay. Then they blows games three and four at home, of course. And then they lose game five, but the same old Cavs. But maybe the Lightning are the ones that are choking now. I mean, they've, they've blown a bunch of series now over the last few years, too. So uh, Well, they've but, lost uh, two game sevens in the Eastern Conference Finals in the last three yeah, years. Yeah, I know what. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Good, good for them though. Nice to see Ovechkin be in. Uh, this is going to be fun. I mean, this is this is definitely going to be a, a fun series to watch. I think is the bottom line. This is two teams you definitely didn't expect to be here. Especially didn't expect the Golden Knights to be here. Uh, um, I, I'm excited. I I don't normally care that much about the finals if my team's not in it, but I will be watching pretty hard on this. I think this is going to be awesome to watch. Really excited. Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting to see the team that George McPhee built play the team that George McPhee built, right? <laughs> I yep. mean, there's st- uh, there's some st- of the great subplots of this. Fired in 2014, you know, some of the team's been rebuilt with. Uh, but I think there's a, there's at least ten guys. I think that he he yeah. rostered. But yeah, I mean, he's the yeah. one who stood at the podium and drafted Alex Ovechkin in 2004, and you know, uh, Holtby and all those guys. So. Um, I know, I know. That's a good thing of that. That's a good part of this uh, this whole thing. I don't think there's any love loss at all there between McPhee and the Caps today and Ted Leon, just from what I gather. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I still really, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I grew up on a commune, been around a little pot in my life, 
I don't think I could have ever dreamed up enough. I couldn't have smoked enough pot to, to actually think this could happen. I mean, if Vegas, an expansion hockey team is in the Stanley Cup Finals, really, from Las Vegas? I mean, this is truly bizarre. At what point of the season did you believe that they were this kind of – because, I mean, you get through 10 games and it's like, oh, they're off to a nice start, but, you know – you know, what was it? Drew Doughty, I think, who said at the time, like, look, there's no way they're going to be a better team than us at the end of the year. You know, and then, you know, at the All-Star break, they're still there. And it's like, yeah, it's good for first half. But, you know, come on. You know, and then they make the playoffs. And it's like, well, yeah, but the Kings are going to knock them out, you know. And and now here they are in the Stanley Cup. They've only lost three playoff games. I mean, they, they went 12-3 and three and burned their conference. I've been, I've been thinking this since game, you know, game five in Winnipeg. I mean, I've. Literally every game, I think the wheels are going to fall off. And they yeah. just never do. Uh, I thought all year long they're a fluke. It's going to fall apart any second now. It was a nice little story while it lasted. But reality kicked in, and it just hasn't. In do fact, you... they're getting better. All right, now we know that Florida and Minnesota really screwed up, right? I mean, they actually made trades uh, to avoid, <laughs> to, to insist that the Vegas. <laughs> Knights pick two of their best oh, players. Don't forget Columbus. Yeah, and Columbus. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, like, do you think the NHL, who is used to giving expansion to two teams at a time, uh, just maybe overcompensated a little bit here uh, with the bal- the way they balance things out? and Or do you think that the NHL was smart and they set up a team that they knew would be competitive so that they wouldn't have what happened in Atlanta where you just totally burn that market out with a team that just could never get out of the cellar and could never win, and that that market just never took off. I mean, you look at Vegas right now. I mean, it's like eight thousand dollars for a cup ticket. Their practice rink is packed to the rafters before they get in the on the rink every day. You know, like their team store opened at like six in the morning today, was sold out a ship by noon. It's like they built an amazing hockey market there, and it's like I'm trying to figure out. Like, did the league screw up into this, or was there a little bit of savviness behind the plan here? I'm not really sure. I'm guessing they probably screwed up into this, but I'm curious what your opinion is. No, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, From what I gather from talking to people around the league is that there there is some, uh, you know, this was engineered a little bit more than the past. They did learn from the disasters of the past with Atlanta. I mean, uh, you know, even Columbus was a dismal franchise for years. Yeah, or Ottawa. Uh, I mean, Ottawa took like six yeah. years. They just got lucky I mean, that on, team was in Canada. Right on down the line. I mean, yeah. Washington Capitals themselves are an expansion team in 1974, and they're still the worst team in sports history, not just hockey, but all of sports. Um, so, yeah, they didn't want that. This is a different era where you don't want that eyesore of a product at all on your ice. Uh, you don't want to be – in today's sports world, you don't want this just comedy act on the on the, on the uh, ice or the field or the hardwood. You want something that's going to sell, especially in a first-year market, right. especially in a place like Las Vegas, which is all about glitz and glamour. So. Yeah, there was a little engineering about this. They didn't have those side deals that they, you know, they didn't allow those things in the past. But on the other hand, you know, the old days of the past didn't have a salary cap to contend with. There was a lot more of dealing that teams had to do just to get out of their own bad spending habits. Um, You know, Marc-Andre Fleury, they were just thrilled that Vegas was around to take his contract off their hands. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, they gave up another pick for them to take Flurry. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll we'll give you, you know, all right, we'll make Flurry available, but uh, you know, but uh, but hey, Vegas was like, but you got to give us a pick too to, for us to take him. Um, and Pittsburgh was like, sure. <laughs> and, you know, Columbus, they have William Carlson on their roster, fourth line guy for two years. They think he's a nobody. He's never going anywhere. Not only do they t- beg Vegas to take him, but they off- offered a first and second round pick as well to make the deal happen, to make that pick happen. Right, and then Minnesota's like, you know what, we really don't like Eric Lewis, so uh, here, yeah. why, don't, why don't you take Alex freaking Tuck off of our hands? Yeah. It's like, yep. wow. And, and you know my brother. Florida Panthers, Florida Panthers, Arguably screwed up the worst, even though I think Carlson was the you know, the worst thing of all. I mean, 43 goals this year, plus 49. Um, you know, just proves again that John Tortorella cannot coach offense, but that's another podcast. Uh, the, the Florida Panthers give up Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith. Yep. And, and I think gave up a pick as well. And, uh, those guys are like first line, first and second line all stars this year. Um, Florida nuts. said infamously that defense wins championships, and that's why we we had to protect our defensive guys. Um, and you know what? Florida actually had a winning record. I mean, they're forty four and thirty this year with like eight eight OT losses. Um, they had a pretty good year, but they screwed up. Letting those guys go, and they uh, they wish they had Marcus Salt back. I guarantee you, right now, plus Riley Smith. So I know it. it it's a different. I don't think you'll see that thing ever happen again. This is going to be a one in a lifetime thing. Yeah, it'll be it's interesting just, to see how they set the rules for Seattle, assuming they're the next team. You know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, at some point, yeah. they're going to have to add one more to balance the league. I would think so. It'll be interesting to see. Well, I, I think what's going to really happen is the GMs are going to do a lot more homework on their guys they have. And and be a lot, lot more diligent about making side deals or anything. Uh, Seattle's going to pay the price for Vegas's success probably, because everybody's going to be af- afraid to do any kind of expansion trade now with the new team, trying to get rid of their quote unquote unwanted stuff. Uh, <laughs> those those that garbage for those uh, teams turned into Vegas's treasure. Uh, so you're not going to want to see GMs. Uh, repeat that. That's already cost a couple GMs their jobs, basically, over what happened. So, I mean, Chuck Fletcher in Minnesota, uh, you know, um, I, 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 I have a feeling that, you know, the Columbus hierarchy could be in some trouble if they don't win at all next year. Um, yeah, Minnesota, they, they, I could not believe that they traded Alex Tuck to them. I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> but I mean... But it's true, though. I mean, their numbers are bad. So many, you know, these other years, you really, you know, you can't sit and blame them. Well, you can blame them for Alex Tuck. He was like the eighth pick in the draft. He's not even like 23 years old yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. He just hadn't shown it yet. Well, he Uh, he didn't didn't even, I don't think he'd played a full season in the NHL yet. Yeah, I know. That's that's right. For a top 15 pick, you know, like. uh, I just, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, look, and to top it all off with Florida, their coach, Gerard Gallant, that they fired after an 11-10 start, a year after he took them the 103-point season in the playoffs, they fire him impatiently 
the next year with all these army geek, you know, stat gurus, quote unquote, analytics gurus that they thought they could do everything based on data. Well, part of their big data purge was firing Gerard Gallant. Well, how'd that work for you, Florida? <laughs> <laughs> to me, that's the best story of all is, you know, I mean, they throw the guy literally and figuratively to the curb when they fired him. They throw his bags out on a curb in, I think it was Carolina where he got fired, and call him a cab. Now, I believe they pissed up. on him as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that. I think someone came out and urinated on him. It was unbelievable. <laughs> ah, it's just it's a great story. I hope that whoever's covering the Vegas Stolen Knights for the newspapers out there and everything uh, – has their book deals in in, in place because uh, that's going to be a uh, you get that book out there quick, man. I, that's I've covered championship teams that you've and I've written a couple quickie books based on it. And you, the whole in Vegas that that'll be a bestseller just like everything else if they can get it out fast enough. I bet they already have most of it written. They should if they're smart enough. Uh, that's that's going to be a great story that'll live on forever. I mean, that'll be should be taught in classrooms probably someday. I mean, look at this. What's happened? It's it's unprecedented. How about the anniversary of the Stevie Weigel burning the sales up for Blood Feud again last couple weeks ago? I know it. Uh, thank you to SB Nation, who some kid there did a video on the whole Blood Feud rivalry. Yeah, it, it was puts out a video on SB Nation. God, who knows that. I didn't know SB Nation was still that big, but it zoomed the sales right up the charts. The guy throws in a, a plug for my book in the video, and next thing you know, it goes from, like, you know, number 13,000 on the <laughs> hockey seller list to number two. It's, uh, well, it's been a consistent seller, though. I'll tell you what, guy. It's one of the best hockey books ever written. I'm not even blowing oh, smoke. Because, look at there's not – Modern hockey, was, you know. It was, the, it was the subject that was great, not not necessarily the book, but uh, but sure. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy with it came out. I, the way it came out, I it's uh, you know, I always said it's a timeless story. It's uh, you know, something you can look back a thousand years from now and say, wow, that'll never happen again in sports, probably in hockey. There was a unbelievable rivalry. It should be a thirty for thirty. I keep waiting for that call from some ESPN producer, um, but it hasn't happened yet. They still haven't done that one. How many hockey ones have they done? They did the Gretzky one on the trade. Yep, they did the John Spano one. On, yeah, the owner for the Islanders. They did... Uh, Is that it? What, did, they, did they do... Uh, I'm trying to think. Did they do a... I was going to say a Bobby Orr thing, but no, that was a Sports Century one. Yeah, no, no Bobby Orr. Um, that might be it. Is that it? Oh, it wait, they did, the, they did the one on the Russians. The 80 Russians, the loser view of it or whatever, of Mice and Men it was called. Oh, okay. So another Olympic thing? Yeah. yeah but, you know, right. but it was There's not so from the – I lost count. But it wasn't from the U.S. for – like the star of it was like Fatisov. Oh, right, right, right. And his, yeah. his hot oh, daughter was... like stole the show. That was all anyone was talking about the next day. It was yeah. like, wow, Fatisov's got a smoking hot daughter. <clears throat> I mean, of course I'm biased, but, but that would be a – you know, I'm trying to think what the actual third for third or real big hook would be. I just don't think it it wouldn't – I don't think it would sell still in this country, though. I just – national – I've said this for a, a couple of years now after working at Bleacher Report. N- national hockey does not sell in this country. Yeah, Local but come on. They did one on Mike and the Mad Dog. 
I, I that's what I'm saying though. Like that that probably sold pretty well for them. Well, no, it was the number one thirty for thirty ever in New York, and the dead last one nationally. Oh, it was I didn't know that part. Yeah, so it's number one in New York, well, dead last nationally. So no, I didn't watch. It was but, good. Uh, I mean, I think it would sell, but yet I'm trying to think of like the hook. You know, it's it was a bloody great rivalry. Well, the hook is the dude's face. That's the hook. The what? Is uh, what's his name's face? Yeah, Draper. Lemieux or Draper? Yeah, that's yeah. the hook. You start right there, yeah. right? You know the. Well, that's how my book starts. That's right, how blood feud starts. It's taking you right in that room where he was. He was literally, you know, people were almost passing out looking at his face. Uh, yeah, that's the hook. That's where you start. I mean, that's the video. That's yeah. the video. Well, that was, well what if I we'll told? What we'll if I told it. you? What if I told you this guy's face was so fucked up that the doctors on site yeah. were passing out? Yeah, he had to eat out of a straw for two months, and then then he gets his revenge. And the next year was part of the and the, the whole. Then you see Claude Lemieux turtling. Um, yeah, I tell you what, you, you you have so many unbelievable legends that are still around. I mean. You know, Scotty Bowman is still around. He's still sharp. He's 85 years old, I think. But, I mean, he could still tell you so many great stories. And who who wouldn't want to see his 30 for 30 with Scotty Bowman talking in it, right? Let's I mean, let's do this. Give me th- – okay, so we got that. Let's throw a, th- a few more hockey 30 for 30s I'd like to see. 87 yeah. Canada Cup. 87 Canada Cup. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I mean, that's yep. really never going to happen, but that's one I'd like to see. Um, me, yeah. Oh, what God, else? There's so, there's so many. I mean, Russian defectors like Bure, yeah. Mogilny, like those guys. That would be really yeah. cool. Um, uh, I mean, just like I mean, fighting in the seventies. I mean, you know, the goon era, the real and and now that's one they could hook the CTE goon angle. Yeah, you know the the, the problem is half of those guys are all dead. Um. You know, it's part. It's funny. You got to try to do one that where people are still around too. I right. Think. <laughs> well, they managed um, to pull off an Andre the Giant one. Oh no, that was HBO. But yeah, that was great. Did you, you see can that? You always do like the Babe Ruth thing where there's so many clips and photos. But but uh, you know, as you know, as a Babe Ruth book coming out, is Jane Levy. I can't freaking wait. Oh yeah, I've I've heard of that. Yeah, that, yeah. me too. I can't get enough of the the, the the Bambino books. I love it. I think I still think like Lee Montville's book was. Well, it's funny. I think Lee Modfield's book on uh, 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 Ted Williams was better, but I still love his Babe Ruth book, too. Did you uh, read uh, Levy's Mano book or Koufax book? Which one? Her Koufax. She did a Koufax book and a Manson uh, book. I read some of it. I haven't read all of it. Uh, oh, they're both great. I, I think, I, think the... I read like four chapters in a, in a library uh, a few a few couple years ago. The Last uh, Boy is the Mano one. And yeah. I can't think of the name of the Koufax one. That's really freaking good. She's amazing. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, who do you got? Ones, who do you got winning this thing, and why? Uh, I got uh, I got Vegas. Yeah, I got Vegas. I got Vegas in six. Um, you know, uh, I, I I'm done doubting them. Team I, Speed. I don't want to be the one guy who keeps doubting Vegas and look like an idiot. Team speed. I just think they're faster. You know, the one thing. Oh, they are. And the, the, they're faster. They've got incredible cohesion as a team. They're five guys all over the puck at all times. You couldn't. Winnipeg 
who was a dominant team this year. Yeah, great team. Could not skate with the puck. Um, these guys are just all over them. I don't know what it is Gerard Gallant did, but he's got them. Everybody swarming the puck. They great turnovers. They do all kinds of little intricate things offensively. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and I also think Flurry. I mean, he's – we all keep sort of waiting for him to fall apart too, but it's not happening. He's got a 947 save percentage. And, by the way, he's got three Stanley Cup rings. Is he your uh, Conn Smythe winner right now? I think so. It's got to be, right? Him and Ovechkin. I mean, him and Ovechkin are one and two right yeah, now, right? Yeah, Ovechkin. I mean, there's a lot of candidates. Uh, All right, know. so give me your top three. I mean, I think Marchesol has been dynamite. Okay. Uh, just hugely impressed by him. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Ovechkin, but also, I mean, you know, I really like Kuznetsov a lot. For the Conn Smythe, though. I'm saying you're going to actually give this guy the trophy. Not no, who you like, but like to win the trophy. Has been brilliant. You'd uh, give him the Conn Smythe over Ovechkin. No, I would. Okay. I'd say, okay. I'd say he's one of them. Okay. You know, okay. just one of the candidates. No, no, Ovechkin. Ovechkin gets it. You know. Right. Uh, if Washington wins, he's going to get it. Yeah. Just, just over. Unless Hope he has like four shutouts or something, and his last six wins are yeah, shutouts. Unless Hope he has four shutouts, right. and he makes six saves a night. Then, then he could still win it, but uh, it's gonna go to Ovechkin. And there, yeah, there is some politics sometimes in in the voting of that. And, uh, and I've voted; I've had the privilege to vote uh, just one time, I think. Uh, zero. It was a one when uh, when the ads were in it. They usually let the uh, you know the hometown writers have a vote in it, uh, but it's mostly made up of you know quote unquote you know national writers. You know, your, your Who Bobby won Kennedy. that year? Sackick or Forsberg? One of them? Uh, Wah. Oh, Wah won it? Okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, you know, yeah, we didn't give it to Ray Bork, even though. <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's uh, Wah deserved it. I mean, shout out Devils in game six on the road against Broder, uh, and then won game seven, three to one. Um, 36 yeah. years old. Yep. Only guy to ever win Scott Smythe in three different decades. To me, that's one of the NHL records that will definitely never be broken. That'll be like the DiMaggio hit streak record. Just, I can't see it being broken. How about 10 freaking overtime wins in one playoff round? I know. 10. 10 and 0. 1993 for the Canadians. The Canadians, the Canadians swept the Sabres that year in four games. Every game is 4-3, and three of them were in overtime. I know. I know. So like, can you get one bounce in three overtime games? Like, I know. My goodness, and of course, Mogilny. This a brilliant goalie. Damn it! If I, I used to, I used to hate Wah too. Of course, right? Grew up in Boston. Right. And yeah. I used to think, God, guy's the luckiest goalie of all time. Everything hits him at the right place at the right time. But when you do it for twenty years, it's not luck anymore. He just he finds a way. He always did. It's uh, now he's back in Quebec coaching juniors again. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now it's a good thing I wasn't wearing sweatpants. But what was your reaction when you found out the Sabres actually won a freaking lottery? I, I honestly I thought of you right away. I'm like, thank God Steve Bennett's not gonna kill himself. <laughs> and if Carolina if Carolina would have friggin' swiped that on us with a three percenter, I might have killed myself that night. <laughs> I seriously would have been worried for you. I mean, they already have our freaking Stanley Cup banner from 2006. If they would have swiped that first-round pick on a three-freaking-percenter, I would have 
bang my head through the wall so hard it might have stuck there for 25 years. <laughs> I'd be raising my daughter with my feet hanging off the floor and my head stuck in the wall. But uh, thank, the first thing I thought. And, thank and God. I, I still wonder about this kid, Darlene, but yeah. Nothing, don't worry about it too no, much. Nothing to wonder. He's the, you know, you got scouts saying he's the best defensive prospect to come in since Potvin. And, that, you know, yeah. that stuff like that gets hyperbolic, I know. But, like, yeah. dude, this no, kid, I, this kid. I, and, I, and, know, I think I'm brilliant. But, uh, and just, I, just to remove some of the stench of losing from the team. You know, like, finally we won something. You know, I know it's a lottery or whatever, but. It's going to be. You know, it's it's gonna be a massive thing for the Buffalo Sabres. Though, that, like the next ten years minimum, you're gonna be watching that guy skate the puck out of the zone every other shift for for ten years. Yeah, and, and, and we have Jack Eichel locked up for eight it's gonna minimum be, of eight. It's gonna make such a difference. Yeah. It's gonna make such a difference. A guy who can get the puck out of the zone skillfully, confidently, capably makes absolutely all the difference. From a winning team to a losing team. Right, with Jack uh, Eichel and Casey Middlestat down the middle at center, too. Yeah, I mean, despite the draft bust that is Jack Eichel. No, I'm yeah. Kidding, man. yeah, what a bust. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, Hopefully he doesn't break his ankle again like he does every other year. But. Yeah, no shit. I, I, I said I hope he's spending the whole damn summer in Boston just ankle <laughs> exercise. I don't want to do anything but ankle exercises the whole year. There's nothing you can do for ankle strength. Trust me, I've had ankle surgery. I have a reformed uh, artificial ankle now, so I know. God damn high ankle sprains, my goodness. Ankle replacement surgery I had. It's a fake joint, but it's been great. I can't play hockey on it, but yeah. I remember, doesn't- I remember your doctor telling me you cried the whole, the whole surgery. So you never seen uh-huh. someone cry so much in anesthesia before. Oh yeah, I mean, I was—I am a wuss in hospitals. I was crying literally for the pain meds to be dispensed to my pathetic little white hospital gown. Did uh, you get a pump? Did I get a what? A pain pump? You know, they give you the little trigger. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, that was like, that's great. I isn't had it? a pretty good couple weeks supply of Dilaudid. I remember, and and Dilaudid is. By far the best painkiller I've ever had. The best one I've ever had is Demerol, but Dilaudid is a close second. But uh, okay, don't think I've had Demerol, but uh, boy, man, Dilaudid. I was just like it was like Pavlov's dog waiting for that next shot of Dilaudid. Absolutely. Uh, if they sold Demerol or Dilaudid at Rite Aid, I'd be dead. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not become addicted to uh, to the to the medication <laughs> like I've had some other issues in my life, but uh, yeah, it's uh. It definitely works. Let me try, let me tell you. And I, whew, so yeah, I had like nurse ratchets though, who literally would like wait till the very minute though that you know I could get my next pill. Oh yeah, it's they're like, assholes like that. Uh, it's like three fifty nine and twenty eight seconds. No, I cannot be till three fifty nine forty nine. You know, and be like, come on, nurse ratchet, I'm dying here. <laughs> All right, I got four percent left on the iPad, and it's gonna go. So let's get a couple quick more things in. Yeah. Are the Avalanche more the team from last year or the team that finished dead last the year before? Oh, I think they're going to be more of this, this past year's team. They're, uh, they got enough building blocks in place that uh, shouldn't be a fluke like it was last time. Even though people forget, though, that team that 
won the Cinderella story of the year in 2013-14, won the division title. Terrible analytics team, didn't play with the puck. Everybody hated him in the analytics community. But people do forget that there wasn't an absolute bust the next year. They had, uh, I think they had 94 points and uh, just narrowly missed the playoffs. So, But, yeah, they'll be better. They've still got some issues. You know, things can change in a hurry in this league. Uh, still got some depth issues. But uh, I'll tell you what, they've got a couple new kids that are going to come in. I mean, they've got a couple young D-men that are going to come in soon, and uh, if not next year. And, uh, you know, they've got uh, Ottawa Senators – First round pick for next year. <laughs> Underrated thing about that trade, Shane Bowers had a hell of a freshman season at BU. He's gonna really? Be a, I haven't a, seen him play at all. He's going to be a really good player. He, he, Can he be a really decent player, or is he just too, a college guy? No, he's a true freshman there. He had a fantastic freshman year. He's going to be a really good player. Well, and drop that, is he a college guy from your vernacular? It's 35% of the league now. It's not 1975 <laughs> anymore. <laughs> that is That is true. Uh, I do still have a bias, probably. Uh, yeah, don't ever say that again on this grew up show. Watching college hockey at Dartmouth College as a kid. So, yeah, it's uh, not 1975. 35 percent of the league is from college. I've Canadian pros for a long time, though, and they trust me, they do still really look down their noses on uh, U.S. college hockey. Well, fuck them. Fuck them and, yeah, and the, and the ship agree. they sailed in on. And Shane Bowers, by the way, is a Canadian. Shane Bowers, by the way, is a Canadian kid who turned his nose at the junior system. So. Yeah. yeah. Good for him. No, I, I think there's a fewer of those than there used to be. There's still a few holdout old dinosaurs that think college hockey is, is awful hockey. But yeah, Well, they're, they're idiots. They're wrong. Where is John Tavares going to land? Uh, good question. Uh, I keep I have said Montreal all along, and I'm going to keep sticking with it. Uh, just keep hearing that there's a, you know, a little bit of a hometown thing in a way. I know he's not from Montreal. He's from Ontario. But, I, you know, I heard he's, uh, you know, pretty close to that area. And he's got some friends. And uh, So I'm going to stay in Montreal. Lou Lamorello coming to the Islanders does worry me that they'll re-sign him. Yeah. I'm not an Islanders guy, so I don't really want them to succeed. I think they've gotten every break in the world from the league. And they've been a dismal franchise. And... Uh, you know, nothing against them personally, but it's like, come on, this team should be out of the league too. They've been just as dismal as any awful Carolina or any other team you want to badmouth. Yeah, you know, who's gonna form. who's yeah. gonna win the Hart Trophy? Uh, I hear that it's neck and neck with obviously Hall and McKinnon. Um, I have a hunch that Hall's gonna win it because they made the playoffs. Well, so did the abs. Oh yeah, that's right. But, I forgot. Uh, all right. That, the all right. With just, that said, I, there's more Eastern media to vote. That's it. I think McKinnon deserves it. I, I think. Who do you think deserves it? McKinnon. Yeah, I would have agreed. I think he stumbled pretty bad down the stretch, though. He had one good final game against St. Louis, but uh, really, he was terrible the last two weeks. Uh, but I'm okay with giving it to him. You know, that was a... Who's the third guy? He's elevated. He's he's in the elite now. He's in the pantheon of top guys, so I'm fine with it. I hear it's... Depending on who you talk to, he's going to win it. Depending on who you also talk to, Hall's going to sneak it out. And who's the third guy? Who is the third guy? Jesus. Someone uh, who's not going to win it. It doesn't matter. 
Oh, it's one of those two guys. I can't. I mean, I can't remember either. But it, they're not going to win I can't it. So. Remember right now? Uh, is it uh, Brett Hall? Embarrass myself. Uh, somebody who probably could win it and shouldn't. I mean, I think Andre Kopitar had a great year with the Kings. Oh, that's who it is. It is him. Yep, okay, that's well, who it is. That's what I thought when I said that. Yeah, he was great. He he doesn't get enough. I mean, he's been one of the more underrated superstars in our in the league. He's the guy I was thinking of that's not going to win it because they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, well, they did make the playoffs. The Kings. Yeah, they lost. Oh the yeah, they lost. They freaking got swept so <laughs> yeah. quick. I forgot about it. Uh, he's great. He was great all year. He's a great player. He's the, just as good defensively as he is offensively too. Thank I mean. God McDavid isn't going to win it. I started hearing like buzz for him in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, yeah. I he mean, does already lead the league in assists for next year, though. He's got 15 more than anyone else going into I next mean, season. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I couldn't believe that either, that people want to go there. I mean, no. It's like they missed the playoffs he, by 40 points. He's a bad team that underachieved, <laughs> yeah. and he was part of that underachievement. Absolutely. You know, he's not a really good defensive player. Absolutely. All right, brother, I could go on all night with you, but the iPad is going to go dead, and before oh, it done? does, I want to say all goodbye, right. and I want to give you a chance to plug your shit, so go ahead. Oh, I don't have much to plug. Maybe just check out bsndenver.com. Uh, you like Denver sports, we're the place to be. So, uh, uh, no, no other really stuff. Not much going on otherwise. Just trying to, just trying to keep the 14 year old here fed, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I always got your back. Uh, thanks buddy. It's great to be on and we'll talk more. All right. See you bud. Okay, bud. Could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points Hollering out She was a black-haired beauty With big dark eyes Alright, I want to thank Adrian Dater for being on the podcast today Always great To talk to Adrian You know, I didn't bring it up with him Because I didn't want to uh, put him in an awkward position But uh, The Athletic is starting In uh, In Denver in the upcoming weeks, and Adrian is not the uh, the hockey guy, and I don't know why he's not. Um, the guy they hired is someone who covered Washington football. Uh, he also has some experience covering uh, the USHL, the Fargo Force in the USHL. But come on, you have a chance to hire the Babe Ruth of Avalanche beat writers. I mean, this is a guy who has been there since day one. He has every possible locker room connection you could have, right? He's literally made his living over years and years doing this. And he's a guy who has already proven uh, that his words about the Avalanche will sell subscriptions as he's done it for a startup, BSN Denver now, for a year. And to think you wouldn't hire that guy is just an absurd mistake uh, by The Athletic, in my opinion. Um, but we love having Adrian on the show today. Uh, thanks for doing that. Fun talking, choking dogs, and Stanley Cup with him. All right, uh, this is what we got next. Jim Florentine is going to join us to talk about his book. Uh, Everybody is Awful Except You. Of course, that was the first book club book of the month uh, that we've worked on here. I'm looking for another one right now. I reached out. You know, I'll never understand this. Like, I reached out to this author of a book. I thought it was a cool concept, 
And I said, you know, let me reach out to this guy. Uh, maybe he would want to feature the book. Uh, and, you know, we ask very little of the people whose books are, are featured in the book club, Book of the Month. Uh, let's see if I can find this book. It was up in the iTunes charts, but it's already dropping like a stone. Um, so apparently he did need the publicity, even though he thought he didn't. Um, I can't even find the book. But the concept was it was about, you know, like, what if this happened instead of what actually happened? You know, that was the idea of the book. And I thought it was a cool concept. And, you know, when we reach out to someone for book club, all we do basically is ask for one copy of the book, two if they want to do a contest, and a commitment to do a 20 to 30 minute interview. And then for that for that agreement, we plug the book on my Twitter. I plug it on the podcast. You know, we do a very thoughtful uh, interview. I read the books, you know, and it's like, I understand like Duff McKagan is an example of someone who turned me down. Fair enough. You know, he didn't think he needed the publicity. He didn't think he had the time. His publicist wrote me back and said, you know, uh, thanks for considering us. Uh, Duff doesn't think he can fit it in. They sent me a book anyway and said, thank you. Fair enough. Even if they didn't send the book, we've been fair enough. But I'll just never understand people who just ignore you or me in this case. Uh, so needless to say, we won't be covering that book. I can't remember the name of it, nor do I care anymore. Uh, that guy's dead to me. Um, all right. So we're looking for another book. If you have any uh, any ideas of what we should feature next in the book club, email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Anyway, Jim Florentine did follow up on his book. is called Everyone is Awful Except You. And we're going to talk to him next on the podcast. Our next guest was one of the hosts of that metal show. Telemarketers, CDs. Everybody is awful except you, the book. Comedy Metal Midgets, the podcast. And a fourth time on this show, warm sportscasters. Welcome to Jim Florentine. What's up, Jim? Thanks for coming back, buddy. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. How's it going? Really good, really good. Been really enjoying the, enjoying, uh, the book, enjoying watching you on Major League Baseball Network last week. That was really cool. Uh, and enjoying the, uh, the increase in podcasts, which we'll talk about in a little bit, too, so... It's a good time to be a Florentine fan, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I just like putting stuff out, you know, being creative, you know, because then if you don't do it, it's just like, what are you doing at this point? You know, I mean, we got, you know, doing stand up's a pretty easy gig. You basically got to show up, write some jokes, and be funny, you know, so I don't know. I just, I'm always thinking of different things, putting it out there, see what sticks. You never know. Was there a time maybe in the since uh, in the post that metal show period maybe where you felt like you needed to replace whatever it was creatively that that metal show kind of provided for you? Like, do you think in the post that metal show era you've worked harder to, or maybe it's just a, a matter of having more time to kind of come up with some different ideas and and like you said, just try to throw more out there and see what sticks. No, because I've been doing, you know, we I've been doing my podcast since 2011. So, you know, we started that metal show 2008 and lasted 2015. 
And it only took like two weeks out of the year to basically film all those episodes. And it was just, you know, you go in at noon and you're done at like eight o'clock at night for two weeks. So it really didn't take up too much of my time to, to do that show. So, um, no, I just, you know, um, you know, the podcast is something I've been doing for a long time. I like doing it, you know, being my own boss and saying whatever I want, and putting it out there and not having any restrictions and not worried about advertising if they're going to get offended because if they do, they don't have to advertise, which is great. You don't have to kiss anybody's ass. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like, you know, Nick DiPaolo just left Sirius. You know, Opie is gone and, and going podcasting route now, although he went the boss route. I mean, he's with Westwood One. Uh, you know, Anthony's been doing his own thing for a while now. Uh, and it seems like there's a little bit of comfort, like you said, for performers there with just the way society is right now. It's almost like and it really doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, because both sides get upset when they feel like being upset and they both will target people in a way that just can be, you know, awful for a career or whatever. So do you think as as do you do as you project it out as someone who's in it, do you see the genre growing even bigger because of that reason? Just kind of the, I don't, I don't, this might be a poor analogy, like an old time wrestling analogy it might be a poor one, but back in the day when it was the territories and guys used to jump from spot to spot, the promoter would just make themselves champion because they knew they could count on themselves. Like, do you think it's kind of like that where it's like, well, you know that no matter, especially as a comedian, no matter what happens out there, you have this thing here and you protect that and you own that and you don't have to worry about like the outside influences. Like you said, Well, I, yeah, I definitely think people are gravitating. You know, there's so there's it's such easy access to get anything. You know, whether it's a podcast or someone's YouTube channel or or just do it on their website or whatever. Everybody can listen basically on their phone, hook it up in their car. So they have a lot of options, and they'll find you. You know, if they like your your kind of humor, your kind of you know persona, they'll they'll seek you out, and they'll be a fan of yours. There's so many people out there that you have no idea who who they are, but are making a great living. You know, basically just talking. And as far as the Democrats and Republicans, you know, the Democrats are the ones who started. The liberals are the ones who started being offended by every word right. and every little thing that's said. And then when they were, you know, demanding everybody get fired, every person gets fired for saying this, saying that. Then when, when um, a liberal would say it, then the Republicans would go, well, hey, well, you guys got us fired for doing this. So now we want you fired. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. they, they were OK with it most of the time. They're not uptight. Up as much as the liberals are when it comes to words and, and, you know, being offended by stuff. So when they started doing it on every little thing, then, you know, when, it, when a liberal would do it, Republicans go, Hey, wait a minute, wait, if he lost, if, uh, you know, Bill O'Reilly lost his job, well, why can't, you know, Al Franken lose his job? He's got to lose his job too. And they go, okay, I guess he's got to lose his job. So, you know, it's basically people just telling on each other, which is embarrassing. Right. It's adults just telling on each other. Yeah, it's pretty bad. You know, like who, who leaked that? Like, who leaked that in the White House that, you know, that woman or whatever the other day said, yeah, well, John McCain, he's going to die soon anyway. So who would go and run to the press and go tell him that? Like, what a baby. That's yeah. something in first grade should be doing. Now, my son should come home and go, Dad, I told on this kid because he, he bad-mouthed the teacher. He, I, and I would tell him, don't do that. Yeah, and I mean, they get no political gain from it because we don't know who it was. So, I mean, it's literally just tattling for the sake of tattling to – to hurt others. I mean, you get no... Yeah, and, every, and everyone's waiting for an apology. It's like, well, they didn't apologize. And, and then today, something else will go on. And, and everyone will be talking about that. So you really don't have to apologize because nobody's waiting for it. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That's what's great about doing a podcast or a book. You know what I mean? It's just like the book company just said, just do your thing, man. We know what you do, you know, and they pretty much put, you know, 98% of what I put in there, 99%. They said, no, pro- I no problem with them. My podcast is the same thing too. Like if you're going to come after me, because I'm, I say my podcast, so who are you going to come after me? So what am I going to, you know, am I going to fire myself? <laughs> so that's what, that's why our guys are all doing it themselves. So like, we don't need any of that bullshit. We don't need, you know, the media or, you know, some TV or, or radio or anything like that. We could do it on our own, figure out a way to, you know, monetize it and do it on our own. And we could say whatever we want. There's no restrictions. Yeah. And guys are going to two extremes to do it. I mean, I'm sure Kumi has spent millions of dollars to get to the point where he is in the city there. And, and now DePaulo is building his own studio as well. So I think that we're seeing more and more just kind of the rise of this. Was that why now was a good time for you to do a book? Is, 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 was the freedom of it kind of what triggered it? Or was there some other reason that you felt like now was the time? No, I just, you know, I, I just, I don't know, a few years ago, I just decided to start writing a book. And I said, I'm going to put it out myself if I don't get a publishing deal. You know, some funny stories, and then I'll make fun of social media, whatever. And then when I started writing it, you know, I wound up I sending some stuff out, and I got a book agent. And then he goes, I think I could sell this thing. And then next thing I know, I had a book deal. So it just happened like that. I was eventually going to put it out myself anyway. I figured out, ah, you know, something different I could do. I think it could translate. That's really interesting because you kind of had just self-published your one-man show. Can you kind of talk about the experience of, of – I know it's a different medium. That was DVD and CD. But did you get a taste of kind of the self-publishing thing through that? And, and did you enjoy going back to having someone on your – on your team, so to speak, beside yourself with the book, or did was there certain things about self-publishing the one-man show that you kind of liked and maybe missed when you were going through the process with the book? Well, you know, I did. I, you know, I've been self-publishing a lot of my stuff. All my telemarketer CDs, the first five, I basically put out on my own, no record label. You know, and I just I would just put them out. I'm like, okay, I can I get them recorded, I edit them, and I bring them to this you know CD place. We'll make up like a thousand CDs. You know, get it out there. So I've been doing right. it for a while. And then, yeah, with the one-man show, I shot it myself. I said, let me shoot it, and then we'll see what happens with it. I'll, I'll try to sell it. I tried to sell it for like a year. You know, uh, there just wasn't enough interest for it. So I said, I'm just going to put it on myself. No big deal. I mean, I'd rather, yeah, I'd much rather it be on Netflix. But if Netflix or some big place isn't going to take it, then I'll just put it on myself. I'll still get it out there. As long as it's up on iTunes and all those other places you could find it. Right. Then, you know, it's pretty much... You know, anyone can find it there. So, it's you know, yeah, of course, Netflix is a way bigger platform. But, you know, as long as you get the word out there and promote the thing, people will know it's there. It's a great show, too. I mean, it's such a – it's a different side of you in a way. I mean, the the jokes are still there, but it's it's really a nice kind of, like, glimpse into the guy under the rock shirt or something. I, I don't know how to put it. I'm going to come off for sounding like an idiot either way. But, uh, man, it's just a great show, and – do you, are you still do you still kind of think about as the need for content grows? I mean, we even have like I had to sign up for a uh, free trial to YouTube Red or something because I wanted to watch the Karate Kid thing. It's like, man, there's just so many places. Do you think as it grows, maybe it's not that show, but future shows that it, it's going to be easier and easier to find places to to publish these things to a wider audience? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know. Netflix is king right now. Amazon Prime, you know, you got Hulu. There's going to be Apple supposedly coming out with a whole platform. I think that, you know, is really going to challenge Netflix. So there's going to be a million different places, upstart companies trying. 
and taking your content. So it's great. It's great for artists right now. Yeah, and you I know, th- because they're really there's, there's a you know it used to be used HBO and Comedy Central. Comedy Central would do ten specials a year, and HBO would do five. So there was fifteen people that would get comedy specials, and that was it. So it was really tough. Now you just could do it on your own, and there's so many different avenues where you can get a release. It's great for comedy. Yeah, and I think it was huge to find out that the Cobra Kai show actually beat everything on any platform its first month too. You know, I think that's just like a really good thing to know that something like YouTube Red, which I didn't even really know about, to be honest, before I heard about this show, can put something out. And if it's the right piece of content, it can do 50 million impressions or whatever, which led the month by 10 million on the next best thing on Netflix, which I think was like 13 reasons or I, I could be wrong about that. Right. Some, something on there. But um, I think that's huge just in general for content, for people with the content. Uh, that it doesn't have to be Netflix or Amazon Prime. Like even a YouTube Red um, can can do great in that setting too. Um, kind of using the the podcast as a way to to uh, populate content from the book. Why why did you decide to go that way? Did you feel like the other stuff in there played better when you were mixing in the like awful Facebook stuff and things like that? Um, well, the book company didn't want an autobiography. They go, look, for your first book, if the first book's a success, then maybe there's just not enough interest there. Right. You know, for an autobiography where, you know, so they said, just make it a funny book where it's just jokes, constant jokes on each page. He goes, and then, if, you know, and then if it sells well and you get another book deal, then maybe we do an autobiography, the second one. So then I said, all right, no problem. We'll just make it a really funny book instead of more stories of me growing up and all that stuff. I put a little of that in there, but not a lot. Do you ever read books? Are you a reader? No, I listen to them. You listen? Yeah. So does my brother. He loves, like we just read that Tiger Woods book. Uh, I don't know if uh, Armin Contain and uh, Jeff Bennett. It's an amazing, amazing read. And he went the the audible route. It was like, it's over one gigabyte. It's a huge book. It was a one gigabyte file. We had to like create a new Dropbox for him uh, to transfer it. And he loves that too. I fall asleep though. Um, cause I try to listen in the wrong settings and then I end up falling asleep. Uh, so I still read, but I, I have grown to enjoy reading on the, on the iPhone and the iPad though, which helps. Cause it's I, easier for me when I'm, I'm driving in my car or right. I'm on a plane and I'm traveling. I yeah. can listen on my headphones. <laughs> They're carrying a book with me and stuff. And, um, I don't know. The audio works for me. I'm, I'm a big like radio guy. You know, I've listened to Howard Stern for years and, listen to podcasts and all that stuff. So uh, the audio works for me. Even like Anthony Cumio's show, you know, I, I, I got a subscription and I listen a lot, but I never watch the video. I just listen to the audio. Right. I'm the same way on with my phone. With if I'm driving, even if I'm home, I just, I don't care about the picture. <laughs> to me, it's just a bunch of guys sitting around. Unless something crazy happens, then I'll go back and watch something. But other than that, I just, I, I just mind just like listening. Yeah, I am the exact same way with that show. Sometimes uh, there'll be a naked girl in the studio or something. I'm like, I got to see what she looks like, you know, so I'll drop the video. But, well, uh, yeah, that. <laughs> but... Um, let's switch gears a little bit because we always usually get in a good flow when we talk, start talking about sports a little bit. Man, you killed it on MLB Network. Did you Did you enjoy that? I always knew you were such a big San Francisco Giants fan, but I never knew you, uh, you knew as much about baseball as you did. You really... You really uh, did well in there. You felt looked natural, sounded good. It show clicked. I loved it. Did you enjoy it? 
Yeah, thanks. You know, I've, I've done it before. I've been on a couple times before. Um, no, I like it. I'm not. I'm a bigger pro football fan than baseball. I used to be. Right. You know, they do neck and neck. I've kind of lost a little interest in baseball, but I still know my shit, and I can easily just look up stuff, you know what I mean, if I have to. But I follow it. I just don't watch too many games anymore, you know, because it's just, it's just yeah. too much time consuming. I'll go to games. Like, I'm probably going to three games this year and stuff. I love going to games. So, But, no, I like doing that stuff. You know, baseball and football is in my wheelhouse. Pro. As far as basketball, hockey, college bat, I don't know any of that stuff. So I tell people I'm out. I don't know. <laughs> I only follow those two. Uh, what did you think of the Dolphins draft? Um, I think it's going to be pretty good. But they're still going to be terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I. You know, they, they they filled a lot of holes that they needed. They couldn't get a quarterback. There wasn't a point available at eleven. I didn't think there was going to be. Um, so they definitely filled some holes that they needed. It, it, this draft has to be amazing. Like everybody has to be really good for you know for them to do anything next year. But you know, I'm thinking six and ten again, basically. Well, that's a position well, you know, the Saints are in. All these superstars. You get rid of Sue. You get rid of Jarvis Landry, Mike Pouncey, Jay right. Jai. You know, those are those are pro ball players, and you plug in other guys. That, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're going to be better or just as good. Yeah, it felt like time maybe to rebuild that team a little bit. I know you're super down on Tannehill, and no, uh, I'm not super down. And I'm, I know I just know there's no you got no other choice. He's the best out there. So you know, you wish there was somebody better that you could plug them in. They would have plugged them in years ago. But every time, you know, they always finish eight and eight, so they're like picking sixteenth or eighteenth, so they can't get a good quarterback. And then this year, you know, I think they might have been trying to trade up, but they just didn't have it enough to offer, and they, you know, they're sort of stuck with Tannehill again. But look, when you see Nick Foles win a Super Bowl last year, and he's not an elite quarterback, mm-hmm. it gives you hope. Right, you got a you know pretty a decent quarterback, beating Brady too. But I tell you what, when you hit a draft. Like, I'm a big Saints fan, and they've done it twice in their history. Literally twice. 2006, crushed it. One of the best drafts of all time. It, it was the springboard of their Super Bowl team, and obviously signing, signing Breeze that year as well. And then last year, I mean, they had five of the best nine rookies in the league last year. You know, and that class got them to within one kind of fluke play um, from maybe at least, at least getting which, the which NFC lost, Championship like three, game. I, I lost 400 bucks on that play. <laughs> I didn't come out of my room for six days. I was counting the money. <laughs> As we were de- dealing out the money, I was betting these guys that I was with. I had the money in my hand. I'm like, yes, we're in a casino. And then that, that play happens. Which, by the way, you know, the Saints, it's funny because Jeff Ireland used to be the GM of the, uh, the Dolphins. Right, he's been the and key. He, basically, he had good drafts, but everybody hated him and he was a dick. Mm-hmm. So they get rid of him. And now he's with the Saints and he's fucking doing amazing in the draft. Yeah, he's been the key. He, And that's why they give up a ton a ton to move up and take a uh, a defensive end, uh, which is a position that they've deemed and a lot of the league has deemed as being you know th- one of those positions where the premium is up there with quarterback, not quite equal to. But they gave up a ton for this guy, and uh, I would be really worried. But I'm trusting him right now. I'm just trusting Loomis, Ireland, and Peyton. They got a groove going, and they're doing a great job in the draft. You know, even and they've done you know, a good. When you're, when you're, well. Supposedly just drafted like the top, there was top 15 players. And then after that, it was like a shitty draft. Right. So just they, they knew to, 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 you know, to trade up to get that guy. Cause then they were just going to get guys that are going to be okay. And they're that close to being a Super Bowl team. You got to make that move. 
Right, and what I love about it is it basically guaranteed Breeze is going to be the QB for two years barring injury because, I mean, well, he's signed for this year, obviously, but they didn't pick a QB this year, and they didn't pick a Q, they were not going to be able to pick a QB at least in the first round next year. And, like, a lot of people gave yeah. Roethlisberger shit for what he said, but I get it. Like, yeah, Roethlisberger wants to try to get one more Super Bowl, and uh, the quarterback from Oklahoma State, not going to help there. You know, and as a Saints fan, well, I didn't, I didn't yeah, want yeah, Lamar Jackson and, or something and, like that. I wanted that last and, piece, and, uh, you know. In Pittsburgh's defense, you know, Roethlisberger is pulling a burnt a, a farm every year. Right. I might retire. Yep. I don't this might be my last year. I don't know if my body could take it. It's a big drama queen, you know. So, And then they, the Pittsburgh goes, well, he might be serious one day, so we better get a quarterback. You know, Favre did that at, at age 27 till he was 40 every year. I don't know if I'm going to play. I'm not sure. I'm not going to show up for training camp. You know, another drama queen. So Pittsburgh's like, all right, we're going to call his bluff because we don't know if he's going to retire. And then all of a sudden they draft him. He's like, I'm going to play three to five more years. Yeah, I totally get it from their side as well. You know, that's one where you can see it. You can see it both ways. Like, I can see why why Roethlisberger is frustrated. But, yeah, like you said, I absolutely see why why Pittsburgh And Breeze never it. gets hurt. Breeze, and Roethlisberger always misses like two or three games a year. Breeze never gets hurt. So Right, Breeze has only missed one know, game as a Saint. guy. Yeah, he's only missed one game. Uh, he's only missed one game yeah. since 2006, since he got here. All right, let's get a few more minutes on the book, and then do you think you'll do another one? Hopefully. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I mean, they'll let me know in a few months, basically, if, uh, you know, they want. I could do it on my own, obviously, if I want. But, um, you know, they're going to let me know in a couple months uh, to see if I'm going to do a second one. I'm really hope They're really happy with it, they said. And, you know, so we'll see. That's the word I heard. But, they, you know, they, they you know. They never tell you anything. It's just like when you got a TV show with that metal show. We never knew if we were coming back every year. Right. You know, we film the season, and then they, they, for four months, we do have to wait to see if we're going to do another one. Well, you also started – let's get one more thing, and we're talking with Jim Florentine. He's at Mr. Jim Florentine on Twitter. His book, uh, Everybody is Awful Except You. It's been the book club book of the month. You can get it uh, wherever hardcover books are sold and, of course, Audible and um, ebook formats as well too. Uh you started the uh, Patreon uh, version of the podcast uh, recently for just a couple bucks. Listeners can get uh, an extra podcast. I know you did one where you interviewed your son, Luke, and uh, some other things with that. But I guess a more general question uh, to kind of finish up here is, what do you want to do with the podcast? Like, how do, you en- how do you envision it moving forward? Like, do you have ideas for things you want to do to grow it? Or, or like, what are, what are your plans with the podcast And when you project out a couple years ahead? Yeah, maybe do more podcasts, maybe do two or three a week instead of, you know, the, the second bonus one. Do, you know, maybe three or four, who knows, you know. But basically, once I can get it to the point where, you know, it's worth it. You know, I've got other offers to do stuff on, like, regular radio and stuff, but I don't want to do it because I don't want to be censored. I don't want to just, you know, all of that stuff. So that's like, you know, I'm just going to do it myself. And as long as I can, you know, make it make, make some money on it and then put out some good content and people are into it, why not just build it up like that? You know, we're, we're get to the point where you just got a built-in audience that will come see you in a theater or a comedy club when you play in town. You know, I get a lot of podcast listeners come to my show all the time, you know, and I plug the dates, which is great. So it helps my live stand-up dates, too. And they already know they're big fans of the podcast that are coming to see you, which is perfect. That's what every comic wants. Let's get you out of here on this. One last question. I'll let you go. Uh, 
I know you've been having fun recently with people on Twitter who are always praying for the return of that metal show, and and you'll be you'll you'll quote tweet a tweet, and you're like, "Hey, Eddie, have you asked YouTube yet, or have you asked Netflix?" Like, places. So you know what I'm doing. Right, you know, I know I'm exactly, messing around. Yeah, right? I know exactly what you're doing. The one thing. Oh I- yeah, I love it. I sit <laughs> up at night just laughing when I see that. I'm like, "Eddie, hey, I don't know. Did you hear back from YouTube? That's a great idea. Amazon Prime never thought about that." Yeah. Oh, Access TV. I didn't didn't think of that one. One thing I am surprised you guys haven't done though is use the podcast to sort of simulate the show. I know it was a TV show, but I, just the chemistry you guys have and kind of the different ways you can go with it. I am a little surprised that you haven't uh, used your podcast or started a that metal show podcast. Um, is it just too restrictive with what that look, network owns? We were, that... on a TV, we were on a TV show making a, a ton of real good salary. Right. To go to a podcast where you're going to make nothing, to get us three together, which live in all different parts of Jersey. Eddie's got, Eddie does seven radio shows a week. Don's on tour with rock bands. I'm doing my podcast and touring. It's, you know, we just can't get it. It's not worth it. Right. Fair enough. You know what I mean? We're not going to, you know, we just, it, it wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe as the format grows. I mean, I did see that the estimate. I don't know if you saw this in the Sports Business Journal. Fifty thousand an episode. The top sports podcasts are drawn now. So maybe it would be. Wait, what is what's what that? The uh, Sports Business Journal. I'll send you the link to the article. They kind of broke down the sports podcast, the top sports podcast, and their estimate is that like the the Pardon My Take by Barstool, the Simmons podcast, the Fantasy Fo- that they're getting 50000 an episode in advertising for those top podcasts. Yeah, I mean, you could get to, uh, absolutely, at some point you possibly could. Right. But, you know, Eddie, look, Eddie's got a show Monday through Friday on Sirius. Yeah, good one. It's on he's volume. five shows a week. He's got, yep. he's got two other, he's got a podcast. He's got another regular radio show. So he's doing seven shows a week, traveling all around the country, unless there's, you know, real money on the table. Eddie's not going to take it, and me and Don are busy too. So, right. And you, you, our show is visual. So on a podcast, it's really not going to work. Like if we have Rob Zombie, and us three are an audio version of interviewing Rob Zombie. It's not going to be the same as as we were on TV. It really needs to be a visual thing. Fair enough. We're just grasping at straws out here in the uh, that model show. No, fan believe me, first. I, I would do it in the. We'd all do it in a second. Right. You know, the one thing people always get, forget to realize, like we were just you know hosts of the show. Right, you so don't have know. No say in the matter. If it comes back, where it comes back, you know, when when the Sopranos got canceled or they stopped doing it, you know, when Galdafini was still alive, people, you know, they going up to him in the mall, going, "Why don't you get it on Showtime?" <laughs> you know, what? Do you ever try FX? You know what I mean? Like, you know, he has no say in it. He's just an actor on the show. We were just hosts, right? So we don't, you know, we don't own the show. We don't, yeah. You know, VH1 owns it all the stuff, so we have no say in the matter, like where it would go. Netflix can come to VH1 tomorrow and go, we want that metal show. We'll give you $5 million. And they go, no. And that's it. The end of discussion. Right. Yeah. Hey, they own, they own it. So yeah, I get that. I think yeah, probably no. what, I think probably what fueled it is when, if, when you guys first left, Eddie's saying, you know, that they did give you the opportunity to shop it if you can find someone. So I think that was just enough glimmer of hope to, to let everyone out there. Um, all right. Jim's got to go. It's Jim Florentine. Everybody is awful except you is the book. Uh, the podcast, Comedy Metal Midgets, everywhere podcasts are found, and now on Patreon. It's one of my favorite ones, one of my must-listens every week. Uh, awful, oh, greeting, thanks, awful greetings card, cards killed. Uh, at Mr. Jim Florentine on Twitter, jimflorentine.com for tour dates. Anything else you want to plug or anything like that? No, that's it. That's okay. good. You know, that's perfect plug, yeah. 
Thanks. I love having you on. I'm, I'm glad we could do it and uh, glad we hit our stride there like we usually do about six or seven minutes in. <laughs> so thanks, bud. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, man. Send me that uh, link to that, those pod, that podcast article. I'm curious to read that. Yeah, I will do. I'll do that right now. Okay, thanks. I want to thank Jim Florentine and Adrian Dater for being on the podcast today. Don't forget you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on our Apple Music page, our Apple Podcasts page. They changed the name so many times. Uh, you can just search the Sportscasters there and you'll find us. Of course, you can also find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Twitter uh, at sports underscore casters. And uh, you can find us as well uh, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thesportscasters. Uh, so we're all over out there, and you can find us uh, if you look around. We'll have a new episode of Arm Drags and Rainmakers with me and Mike Abelson. It'll be right on the uh, Sportscasters feed. Uh, so if you are interested, you can click. If you're not, you can just pass it over till the next episode of the Sportscasters. Uh, and I also mentioned uh, Motivation Through Music uh, at M through M Pod for more information on that. All right, one last thing before I get out of here today. And uh, Eddie Trunk, uh, I guess it's appropriate to bring him up uh, since we just had his That Metal Show partner, Jim Florentine, on the show. Uh, But Eddie Trunk does a really cool radio show on Sirius every day. Uh, I guess it's called Trunk Nation. And uh, one thing that he does, sometimes he can't be there when the show tapes. So what he'll do is... He has a pre-recorded show, which is a top 20 of a band, his top 20 songs from that band. And then when he's back the next day, he'll let listeners and celebs call in theirs, uh, celeb listeners. And um, it's it's really cool. He's done it with Kiss, Aerosmith, and now the third band, Van Halen, which he did this week. I wanted to talk about Van Halen. You know, I'm not a big enough Kiss or Aerosmith fan to make a top 20. Close for Aerosmith, but not quite. Uh, I do appreciate and respect both those bands, but none I'm deep enough to do a top 20. Van Halen, I am. I enjoy uh, both versions of Van Halen, Van Roth and Van Hagar, uh, as my list will bear out. It was interesting, the results, because one thing I noticed right away is that the Van Hagar people are modest and the Van Roth people are snobby. Like, the Van Roth people will give their list and they'll be like, yeah, I like Sammy a little bit, but there's no way in hell... One of his songs could possibly be in the top 20. You know, they kind of had that attitude where the people who you could tell liked Sammy more, had more balanced lists. Uh, That was my impression. Mike McCready from Pearl Jam gave a list. It was all uh, Van Roth songs. I was not as surprised at all. Uh, For whatever reason, the guitar players had Tommy Morello, uh, Johnny Five, uh, Dave Navarro almost had exclusive Roth lists. Not totally... I think Navarro and Morello both had some Hagar. Anyway, here's my list. I'll run it down from 20 to 1. Again, uh, I had 11 Hagar and 9 Roth. Number 20, Oh, Pretty Woman. Number 19, Not Enough. 
Number 18, Unchained. 17, When It's Love. 16, Feel Your Love Tonight. 15, And the Cradle Will Rock. 14, The Seventh Seal. 13, Run Around. 12, Top of the World. 11, Dance the Night Away. 10, Jump. 9, Panama. 8, Best of Both Worlds. 7, Don't Tell Me What Love Can Do. 6, Ain't Talking About Love. 5, Humans Being. 4, I'll Wait. Number 3, Love Walks In. Number 2, The Dream Is Over. And the number 1 Van Halen song of all time. I think Eddie had it, number 17, Dreams uh, from 5150. Uh, So that's my list, uh, balanced as it may be. Uh, This is a really cool thing. Eddie Trunk's show is great. Uh, It's on Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 on volume on SiriusXM. And this is really fun. I had a lot of fun debating lists. Not a lot of people had humans being on their list. I love that jam. A lot of, almost no one had the seventh seal. I think I finally did hear one. Uh, but thanks again to Dater. Thanks again to Florentine. If you want to send me your Van Halen's money, the sportscasters at gmail.com or at sports underscore casters on Twitter. Enjoy the Stanley Cup finals. <laughs> 